Sam. Hey, EJ. So you know what we don't talk about enough? What's that? Cannibalism. <laughs> it never comes up. It Why do we not up. talk about this? It's such an important topic. <laughs> it's so important. I feel like we should cover it at least once an episode. Yeah, yeah. So just to, you know, get us off on a better foot this time, you know, we got a lot of that going on in this movie we've picked for this week. Yes. And before I say what or one of us says what we are talking about, I had some ideas for this mini series and I wanted to see what you thought. Ooh. So um, actually, I just have two. <laughs> so not too much. That's multiple. Know. That's ideas. So since we're going to be talking about women in horror, women directors, actresses, um, writers, really excited. I was thinking about Not Your Screen Queen. And the only other one I came up with was Spooky Girls. So <laughs> what do you think? That sounds rocking. I don't know either of those. No, like for the miniseries. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like we did Not Your Favorite Apocalypse. And so I was thinking I Not Your Screen Queen since all the movies we picked. <laughs> Oh my god, I don't even know what the other one was. I was like, yeah, that, I'll watch that. Okay. And you're like, why is she going off script? Why is she going off script? <laughs> Hold up. So, okay, so one idea was, for the title of our series was Not Your Scream Queen. Yes, and the other one was Spooky Girl, or Spooky oh. Girls, but I couldn't think, I had a whole bunch, like the other day when I was laying in bed in the middle of the night, I like had like a hundred, but these are the only ones I could remember. And I just... So the movies we picked are all horror. Mm -hmm. I would not say they have necessarily all have feminist themes, but I feel like by default being written by women or directed by women, they could all be considered feminist, even if some of the themes aren't feminist. So it, it's well, complicated. Kind of what I want to talk about today, actually. Okay. That's been actually really on my mind because horror is such an inherently misogynistic genre by default in pop yes. culture not by genre but in pop culture that right. anything that deviates from that feels like it inherently is making a statement whether you wanted to or not right I would agree with that I would 100% agree with that especially when I was younger like in my teen years it was like if there was a girl on the screen by the end she was going to be covered in blood and half naked like that was it mm -hmm. and there were some good movies with that I'm not gonna lie but when that's the only thing that ever happens it's like okay let's at that point why even have the genre if you're not even playing with your tropes like <laughs> right <do> something. <laughs> exactly exactly so we kind of wanted to I guess examine that and just have some fun with it right I mean mm -hmm. the, the movies oh. we picked are all over the place they really don't have a lot in common with each other or common themes, except for we tried our best to pick w movies that were written by women and directed by women or had like an all-female cast. Like any two of those three, I feel like would encompass any movie we picked. Or, or it's about um, like a topic that is traditionally... I even hate to say the word term traditionally female. Like, what does that even mean? But you know what I mean. Like, things that affect women mm -hmm. more, maybe. Women's um, issues. Yes. That's what I'm trying to say. If my, if I could, if I could word today. 
<laughs> it works for me uh, sometimes. Someone <laughs> just drop out. And I think most of these movies we picked, um, we were going in blind. Like there may have been one that you saw that I hadn't seen and one that I saw that you haven't seen. Um, but today we're talking about the 2008 movie starring Megan Fox and a Megan, wait, Amanda Seyfried, Jennifer's Body, and neither one of us had seen this movie. And the reason I think I picked this one, and it wasn't because I knew anything about the movie Jennifer's Body. It was actually because of Megan Fox, and I'm <laughs> at this place. There. I, don't, I know nothing about Megan Fox. I, she could be a terrible person. She could be an amazing person. But I remember in the early 2000s when she was in Transformers and she came out and she was talking about how she had to audition for that role. The director, was it, is it Michael Bay? Who was it? Oh, I have no idea who did the Transformers movies, but I remember seeing that with her in it. Yeah. And they were like, for her to audition, she had to wash his sports car in a bikini. So cringy. And that was her audition. And she came out and was like, this is bullshit. And everybody was like, Mm -hmm. shut up and smile. You're getting paid. And that's how they treated her at the time. And now since Me Too and since um, we're taking another look at all these things, I just, I'm like, you know, when we kind of owe her as an apology, because even, I guess I was in my early 20s when that came out. And I remember even thinking like, what's she complaining about? She got, she got the role because we were so like, that's what we were fed. That's what we saw all the time. And like, I never thought to... I guess, examine that further, which to be fair, I wasn't examining much of anything. I was basically just drinking and having fun. <laughs> I mean, we've come a long way in those 10, 11 years. I think the, the yeah. conversations around all of that sort of stuff has changed so much and not like me too was a big moment for it, but it wasn't limited to that either. Right. Right. Because it doesn't just encompass like sexual assault it can be just not being taken it like taking seriously in an industry and mm-hmm. being having a voice to speak out and that's what she didn't have then and like now if that happened I feel like yeah. like everybody would have her back so I thought it would be fun to look at this this movie so did you want to <laughs> start or did you want me to start I have actually I have a synopsis pulled up and it says just in case our listeners are wondering, you can watch this on Hulu or you can watch this on Amazon Prime with the stars add-on. And I'm sure you can rent it for like a dollar. It's been out forever. And it's not like it was a big award winner or anything. So it says Jennifer's Body is a 2000, this is straight from Wikipedia, in case you're wondering. 2009 American supernatural horror black comedy film written by Diablo Cody and directed by Karen Kusama. The film stars Megan Fox, Amanda Seyfried, Johnny Simmons, and Ad- Adam Brody. Fox portrays a demonically possessed high school girl who kills her male classmates with her best friends driving to stop her. And that's Mm -hmm. it in a nutshell. So first of all, what a, what a cast. I couldn't believe it. Like that's some of the big names in it. And I know that, you know, like uh, Chris Pratt was not big at the time, but rando Chris Pratt right in there at the opening. Yeah. I was was like, like, what? what? (laughs) (laughs) But also... I watched it all the way yeah. through the credits, and I thought the same thing. I actually put that in my notes. I was like, everybody, everyone. Was I in could this not movie. believe it. Amanda, it, Amanda you know? Seyfried was amazing. Uh, J.K. Simmons playing a very different type of non-J.K. Simmons yeah. role compared to what we know him as, like the Jonah Jameson, Whiplash, like stern, loud, 
rambunctious guy, like tough guy. Right. Like right. a very sensitive, caring high school teacher. <laughs> uh, Amy Sedaris. <laughs> you know, now that you like say that, I did not even the recognize, hair? like until this moment, mm-hmm. did not mm-hmm. even. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, wait, what? Who? Where? Oh, yeah, Amy Sedaris is Mimi's and, mom. Like, oh my god, everywhere you turned, there was someone who's really big. Like, even the uh, the guys who uh, ended up being the prey in this film, except for the first guy. I've never seen that football guy somewhere before, but um, the emo guy and then Chip, uh, Nini's boyfriend, have both definitely done quite well for themselves. I knew their faces immediately. I. Uh, crazy crazy and then wow Diablo Cody which like I didn't even place her name at first I had to look her up and realize she did Juno she did Young Adult she did uh Tully like brilliant brilliant lady I was familiar with her but I had no idea that she did Jennifer's body because it's one of those that when it came out it kind of got made fun of but from what I gather online it's kind of getting this later cult following and I think so we'll unpack it in a minute but there's there's a lot like I have two takes on it and my first one was just that that early 2000s cringe <laughs> like the style the music the the slang the I was slang. just like oh god oh god and I think for me the cringe came from like living that time period as like a college <laughs> person I was like, oh, it's like seeing your embarrassing high school photos. It's part of us. You're just like, <laughs> did we really? Yeah. We had those spray tans and those jeans oh that were like yeah. an inch above the crotch. Like, yeah, that totally. was a thing that happened. Uh, okay. So that was one reaction. Yeah. And also my other big takeaway, my my only like real, like, that stuck with me through both times, like my initial hot takes and my unpacking it and looking for like deeper meaning and like looking for what directors said about it was in what universe, I don't care what movie, there is no universe where Amanda Seyfried is your plain best friend. (laughs) No kidding. I don't care. (laughs) Do not buy it. I was like, I was like leaning into the screen. Like, did they not put any makeup on her at all? all just to try to make her less gorgeous because she looks very like natural but she's still just so striking yeah but yeah (laughs) they put the glasses on her they did the 90s yeah 90s 2000s they pulled back like her sides pulled up yeah but now that's like a whole look like if you look at teenagers now with the glasses and like the nerdy cute thing but I guess then it, it wasn't no we were still just nerds I will say, when I first watched this movie, first takes. So let's talk about first takes. We'll both do this real quick. I didn't really know what it was about. I went in blind. I knew who was in it. I knew it was a horror movie. And I knew it was a teenage horror movie. And, like, when it was first coming on, I had that cringe. But then that quickly went away. And it opens, and you have Amanda Seyfried's character, Needy. And the insane asylum. And okay, I was like, all right, this is good. Like, let's let's see where this goes. And she's a kicker. And it never, I feel like it never, it came full circle. I, I see that. Like, but it never really, like, I never got the whole she's a kicker, she's a fighter thing. Unless maybe that was when she, 
she had always been the sidekick and the quiet girl, and now she was not. She felt stronger. Well, she killed the person she um, was sidekick to. That's true. That's true. Oh, another hot take. So in this movie, like, and this was before, like I unpacked it and really thought about it. Like I really had some like change of heart on some things afterwards, but they did that. My first thought was the kiss between Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried. I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. early 2000s, girl, girl kiss. This is totally for God's benefits. Like this was like that scandalous hot girl thing. And like, it's, it's kind of gross. I mean, to think about it like that. And that's how it was marketed. Uh, yeah, I mean, I watched the trailer before watching the movie just because I'd heard how poorly marketed it had been. And I was just like, hmm, well, that sure, you know, if it's the mold. Yeah, but then I looked online and read something, I think, from the writer. And she said, no, it was in there intentionally because she writ- wrote it with Needy being a little bit in love with Jennifer. And she wanted to show that. And, like, knowing that, like, going back and looking through it, I totally see it. And it probably was a little bit of in love in, like, a romantic way. But I felt like it fit the the um, mold in a lot of ways. Like, being a teenage girl, there's always that girl you're a little bit in love with. Even if it's not romantically or sexually, it's just you're in love with who she is. Because she looks a certain way or she can do a certain like do anything she wants or she's a badass yeah. and you want to trade places with her. And that was very much who Jennifer was in this film. Well, there was such a, an obsession dynamic to their relationship. And then the, the codependence of Amanda and or, I'm going to continually call them by their actors names instead of the characters names, but needy meeting Jennifer's like attention at all. Right. But then Jennifer needing to have a man, needy <laughs> to have someone to be better than I uh, was just such a twisted thing in the first place that uh, yeah I mean it, it really unpacks a lot about female friendship about high school dynamics about trying to figure out you know your own identity I feel like you hit the nail on the head because that's what I thought afterwards um this was totally a portrait of a toxic high school friendship like it's a codependency like Amanda Amanda. Needy. If we say Amanda, we mean needy. Needy. (laughs) She was definitely second fiddle, but Jennifer, like, wouldn't do anything without her. Like, the Megan Fox character. She's like, she wants to go to the bar, but she's not going to go by herself. And she needs her best friend to dress hot and cute, but not as hot and cute. Like, there's even a line. She's like, I can show my stomach, but I can't show boobs because boobs are Jennifer's thing. And I was like, it's so cringy. The degree to which she'd internalized it because it... Just wild, right? But we've all done this. Oh, totally. I think about as an adult and as a feminist, it's super cringy, but I remember being that age and there were a lot of thought processes that were like that. Like, where can you fit in? Because you you can't show somebody up, but you don't want to be like lowest rung on the ladder. And it's just like kind of this toxic thing I feel like everybody goes through. I mean, like every YA novel, every you know, CW show that comes on, even the ones marketed to guys, it's the same thing. Like I have a 15 year old and I'm like, I just want to like be able to be like, you don't have to do this, but (laughs) I guess it's part of it. I don't know. Yeah. You almost do. Yeah. I mean, not every kid does, but you almost do. (laughs) You got to figure it out. You know, you come through it. You get that rare kid sometimes that doesn't care. So 
what did you think about so i thought it takes place in the fictional town of i think devil's kettle minnesota and it's named after this waterfall that's got this whirlpool at the bottom and everything goes in and they don't know where it comes out at and that was kind of creepy <laughs> and then um the movie starts they're going to hear this band called low shoulder at this uh redneck bar in the middle of nowhere and i swear to god i think i've been to that bar like growing up <laughs> in the rural rural towns i'm like oh i know that place and i feel we may have gotten ahead of ourselves so they go to this bar and to see this band play and it's of course it's early 2000s emo rock it's very you know the sound it's like what early panic it's, at the disco type yeah, yeah yeah it's it's just the sound of the early zeds it's just what it My is college years <laughs> deep side bangs and mm-hmm. <laughs> and so of course jennifer's like flirting with the band right that's like what she's there to do and amanda's being kind of the needy's being kind of the mama hen and she overhears the band talking about Jennifer and they're like oh yeah she's a virgin she likes to flirt and put out or whatever and Needy is so disgusted by this that she's taken up and she's like actually she is a virgin and you should be ashamed of yourself yeah which as soon as Adrian Brody's character opens his mouth I just heard rape rape yeah. rape oh, like yeah. that's it yeah. even if this is immediately yeah and they drive a van and Jennifer gets in the van with them. And then, like, halfway through, that's what she's like, are you going to rape me? And, like, just Frightened. says it. And I'm like, oh. And so this movie, they, they're they taking her. They're like, oh, there's so many indie bands. Which, oh, go ahead. We should say that she was, at that point, traumatized because a fire had just randomly burned down the entire building. Oh, yeah. Randomly burned down the entire building. Mm-hmm. They come to her, and they're like, we're going to take you to a safer place. Come with us. And isolate her and get her in the van. And her friend knows it's a bad idea and doesn't go. But Jennifer goes. And then you don't really know during the movie what happens. You just know she comes back and she is basically a succubus. Like basically possessed by a demon. Yeah. And what happens? Should we say what happens right now? I mean, I don't think it. I mean, the movie is about. 11 years old. Yeah. And if we're going to dissect it, I think we got to go there. Okay. So they are like, there's so many indie bands and we're in league with the devil because that's the only way to get ahead. And it's like very matter of fact, black comedy, horror comedy. And like, we have to make an impression and kill a virgin and sacrifice a virgin. And she's, they kill her. But since she's not a virgin, because you know, virginity, like being a virgin is actually a real thing. I mean, it has power not sorry if you can't catch my sarcasm (laughs) in my voice um I'm just like I don't even know what to say but anyway apparently if you've had sex and you're um sacrificed to the devil and you have had sex then you embody a demon which I will say I'm gonna say she kind of got I really kind of wish this movie would have went a different way like I really do because if you're gonna be she got a demon versus getting just killed and I would have if she would have went after the band and that would have been the movie like going after the guys that did this to her and turned her into this I would have been all about it but I kind of got what they were trying to say too yeah here's here's why I was okay with it because I wrestled with that a little bit too like I much rather would have seen Jennifer just come back and destroy those shitholes but to me 
one of the themes that kept coming up throughout this film was the way that trauma passes forward. Right. Right. Because they, they go out of their way to make the guys that she does murder seem harmless to absolute sweethearts. Right. Like these are not guys who are predators who she actually murders. The guys who did this to her were very active predators, but that's not where it directed after. Um, but what happened to her was very real. And that's how it manifested in a very literal way in this case. I thought about that too. Like if this wasn't a horror movie and you took out the horror element and it was somebody that survived, like really, and we're probably putting a lot of thought into Jennifer's body, like more, but you had a story about a woman that went through something horrific and it affected her and changed her. And now she wanted revenge on all men because she had been harmed in this horrible way. It, it, it basically is that. And then her best friend tries to stop her and it ruins their friendship and tears them apart. That is, I feel like, the root of this story. But even at the end, Needy still loves Jennifer. She still wants to, like, vindicate her even after everything that happened. Yeah. It, what did you think about the character of Jennifer, though? Like, them choosing that that trope for the one who sure. is um you know I had some mixed feelings about it but one you know I love an anti-hero I know I love a, a key character who just sucks as a human so I did enjoy her from like the first moment she's on screen I uh, but it, it is very complicated in, in all of this right to some degree it, it, my feelings on this go a lot of different ways so on one level I I like that both our hero and our villain, well, one level of the villain, the ultimate villain is, of course, the band. But, you know, in terms of like the horror arc of this, the hero and the villain, the character she was fighting against, were both women, which is extremely unique for horror in the first place, right? Two, um, and I am cheating here because I read this in a write-up about it in, um, I don't remember which one this was. But one of the write-ups that I read about this after watching the film talked about, you know, the, the kind of like slut teenage cheerleader character is the first character to die in your traditional slasher film. Right. Right. Because she has to be punished for her sexual desires. Right. So I, in this case, she is victimized, but then she also becomes the victimizer. And she's the most powerful character yeah. on the screen yeah and to be fair my voice is very squeaky today sorry guys um to be fair she never like I guess when looking at her objectively she was just a teenage girl she was just flirty she dressed a certain way because she wanted to show off her body because that age and she never yeah. really did anything bad I mean she never did anything for us to even think she was morally gray before she got turned into well, the demon. She just was immature. She said some annoying things. She was immature. She was trying to figure out who she was, just like Needy was. But she was doing it in a way that was destructive to her friend and like, yeah, other people at the high school. Not destructive on the same level as everything else that happens over the show or the show, the movie. But it was. Yeah. I mean. I would still call her a shit character and even a, a 
destructive character in a way. It just wasn't on that horror film level yet. That's my take. She was the Regina George of the movie. Yeah, the, the mean sa- girl. The mean girls. Like, same same time period, actually. Oh, and they both had Amanda Seyfried hey, in them. They, there yeah. you go. Uh, <laughs> but, and another thing to point out is once she is turned into the demon or inhabited by the demon, if she doesn't do this thing, like, her hair starts falling out. Her skin starts drying up. She starts looking really bad. She starts feeling really bad. So she has been turned into this thing that has to kill to survive. So it's not even at that point. Like, she enjoys it, and we see that she enjoys it. But if she not doing it isn't yeah, an option. Yeah. Like, because we see she starts getting circles under her eyes. Her hair starts she falling out. She does seem to try getting... to put it off, at least. I can give her credit for that. Like, she doesn't have to wait so long to feed again. The only time, the 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 point in the movie where I was like, no, because I was like, yeah, girl, go for it, is when she eats her best friend's boyfriend. Yeah, shit move, or, man. That's, that's the moment. I was like, of all the men, you have to kill Needy's man. Yeah. But, Which, okay, can we talk about this for a minute? Because I don't understand the premise that Needy had to break up with Chip in order for him to be safe from Jennifer. Like... I understand not wanting to to be at the dance because Jennifer had laid out some plans for the dance, but why is that the same thing as them breaking up? It seems like one and the same. On yeah, so like I know I remember that too. Like she wasn't breaking up with him, and then he kept saying, "So what? We're not a thing anymore. We're not a thing anymore." And she was like, "It's not safe to be with me." And I was (laughs) like, "I don't." Yeah, like I don't. Okay, I guess I didn't get Jennifer that. had dropped some hints that, I mean, and that started before she became a succubus about, right. like, kind of tied to her insecurity and trying to win Chip away from Needy. And Needy had very serious fears about that. But right. I didn't quite get the connection to the timing or that seriousness of the threat. So maybe I missed something, but I was like, why? What's happening? I think it was that horror movie thing where they just gloss over it and tell you this is what it is so they can get, because they'd only have so long to get everything in. They can't flesh out certain yeah. things, or at least that's yeah, what I think. you're probably right. Like when Needy so suddenly was able to find the occult section of their school library and find all the information right. she needed. At least they called it out. We have an occult section? In her defense, she said, it's a very small section, <laughs> she said. <laughs> There, there was a lot of like there was some really great tongue-in-cheek moments like if you watch this and you're not like taking it too seriously there's a lot of that I feel like uh Jennifer went after Chip though I'm so glad you remember everybody's names I'm like the worst I wrote at remembering movie names oh good <laughs> but the only reason he was special at all though was because I think Jennifer like she wanted Needy to herself like she didn't want it was like almost like this destructive it was like a codependency like almost at a love but she didn't want needy to have anything that she didn't have but she also wanted needy does that make sense yeah yeah and i think she also needed to prove that if someone liked needy she could still make him like her her more she this was like the one guy who didn't think jennifer was the best thing on earth right because even the little um emo goth kid that seemed to like needy for a little while ended up falling prey quite literally to jennifer 
Uh, I really think it's interesting how this movie examines friendship too. Like it really does because it shows clips of them when they're kids and they're like, she's like, I'll never tell on you. And then um, they even make the, uh, they say that that sandbox love is real or whatever. Like that sandbox yeah. friendship never dies. And then at the end, Needy's like, you were never a good friend to me. You poured lemonade in my uh bed and threw sand in my eyes and it's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of uh it does examine it so I feel like we got all the maybe like the the digging down looking for deeper meaning stuff out of the way so let's have some fun with it was there anything that like did you have a favorite part of this movie I really okay there's two things that I really loved that were super campy so one was we were talking about the zingers yeah and they're just so out of the blue and so funny like when uh when jennifer is hovering out of the pool like she raises (laughs) back up and just like she can fly and and needy's like she's it's really more like hovering like she can't give her that she flies (laughs) it's not that big of a deal (laughs) i caught that too i love that and i loved like how so i don't remember like they tried to make up this slang that was never really slang like we did not say those words which she did in Juno too I guess now that I'm thinking about it but for some reason it worked in Juno because it was really I I haven't seen Juno in like since it came out so I don't know it was already quirky by default so I think the quirk of creating those words maybe and also I mean I think that the 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 actors in that were the right types of characters to deliver that and really sell it. (laughs) They were quirky kids on the screen, not the popular girl. Like they kept saying salty and they meant it as like a hot person. Which is so much worse now because it means, you know. Like you're salty, you're (laughs) pissed off. The other thing that I really loved, and it took me a minute, was the special effects were so dumb that at first I was like, well, no wonder everyone hated this film. This is ridiculous. And then I took another look at it and I was like, oh, no, wait. They're completely in on the joke of how awful this is. And then I was like, okay. I I think you're right, though, about the marketing. I think every joke at itself, they were aware of. Like, they knew this wasn't mm-hmm. this big thing. Like, mm-hmm. they knew what they were making. It was just marketed terribly. There were parts, like, so in the beginning, going back to when Needy is in the insane asylum, and she's like, I'm a kicker. And she kicks that woman in the mouth, and she falls down and, like, spits out her teeth. Yeah. I'm like, okay, you're a kicker. And <laughs> I never, like, okay. Like, there was yeah, a lot of... Yeah, never led anywhere. Like, like she didn't, like, kick Jennifer or anything, like... Right. I guess it was just showing that, that she was a badass or something. She yeah. said she got fan mail. So. Yeah. I don't know who was sending your fan mail. Well, you know, there's people that do that, like, in real life, that, like, mail serial killers and, like, want to yes. marry them and stuff. It's really weird. Yes, I do know about that. It is an unusual thing. I guess you always know where they are. It's bananas. So, yeah, we were talking about, like, the uh, the chain of trauma and how it keeps having these extra waves out is with the other people that you engage with. So... It was really interesting to me that it doesn't end with Jennifer, right? Like, she, her powers are then kind of absorbed a little bit by Needy because she bites her. Right. And then 
she continued. Yeah. So I don't know what that means because it said that there, like, honestly, what I need is a sequel because it was really vague about what powers she did and did not inherit and like what that meant for her. Right. So she can hover and she can use her strength and whatever else to escape. But does she also have the hunger? Does she like have all the powers? Like I, I'm very confused and they need to know more. I need a sequel. About the hunger too, because in the credits, in the end credits, Mm -hmm. it shows her going and following. Okay. So first off that last scene where she's like hitchhiking and the guy's like, where are you going? And she's like, out east, I'm following a rock band. I was like, okay, that's awesome. That's my favorite line in the movie because it was so cheesy, but it was so perfect. Like it worked. And, but then in the credits, set to that wonderful emo music of the time <laughs> we see her go in and we don't actually see it happen but like she kills the band like and it's all a bloody snapshots mess. yeah yeah it's but now like that you say that I wonder if she was like eating them or like stabbing them it was because, really unclear wait. it was really bloody but I don't remember seeing a lot of the actual she got that knife though yeah yeah that was another thing. They finally found out where everything come out I guess of the devil's kettle. So there was this big thing where In the beginning, they're like, it's called Devil's Kettle. It's named after a waterfall. Things go in, and a lot of scientists have been here, and we can never find where it comes out. But then when she's walking down the road, she sees where it comes comes out. out. Like, all the stuff the scientists put in is just there and the knife. Wasn't this late enough that they could just put a GPS in something and drop it in? Oh, yeah. They were just putting tennis balls in. (laughs) I will say uh, one of the articles I read about it referenced, like, a folk song that that was from. And I guess oh, yeah. the entire storyline was loosely inspired by this song that talks about this kind of like wormhole, like devil's oh, cattle cool. thing. So I didn't find that, but we should and, and link it in the notes. Yeah, totally. And then there was a lot of f- funny business. So this is supposed to be a very small Midwestern town and all of these murders are happening And Jennifer was obviously the last person seen with two of these guys. But they never, like, nothing ever happened. Like, there were never police at the school interviewing anybody. It was like everything just kept going. He got a memorial, and then we had prom. Like, it just, I don't know. I didn't (laughs) think about that. (laughs) Yeah, like, she's in the woods with one guy, and she eats him. And then later, like, and they have text with the other guy where she's like, meet me here. And that's the spot where he died. I was like, this is a plot hole. Like, I could never write this. These cops are so not top tier. <laughs> no, these are Devil's Kettle, Minnesota cops. It's that one guy that she flirted with. In, oh, in yeah. Beginning. No, it all makes Chris sense Pratt. now. You're right. Yeah. Chris Pratt couldn't yeah, find Yeah, he wasn't going to make it. Especially mm-mm, if, mm-mm. Especially if um, evidence was pointing at Jennifer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, what is she? She's like... She said she has the police force in her pocket because she was yeah. sleeping with that one cop. I mean, if that was like a testament to the rest of the force, she was right. They weren't going yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to think it was her. I wish I had like deeper thoughts on this movie. I was like fully prepared, but we kind of like hit it. I, I do feel like there was some potential there. Like, and I don't want to hate on anybody else's creation and that's not what I'm doing, but I do feel like, and now we're looking at it through a different lens. Like so much time has passed and it's a complete project. It's not like dreaming something up and creating it, but from the outside looking in, I just feel like there was potential there for it to be more. Yeah. You know, I, cause I want to like 
Jennifer. Maybe that was it. Like, I kind of like the styling of it. In, yeah. I mean, you're right. Jennifer could have been a little bit more complex, but I, I kind of like the styling of it because there was something in it that was very cheeky, uh, kind of winking at the uh, the tropes, I guess, to me. Yeah. Uh, even as they totally destroyed them. So to me, that was very like, okay, this is the character you are and just that's what you are. Uh, but then, of course, they upend that completely as soon as they try to victimize her but um but I think you did like you said it earlier you really I mean even now really don't see that in a a teenage girl having that power I mean there was like that movie Carrie the the Stephen King movie back in the day and then a few others yeah yeah I'd have to see that again I don't know how I feel about well you know you know how I feel about Stephen King I don't know how you feel about Stephen oh, King. Oh, you don't? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm like okay. trying to, I'm he's, like, he's big enough and successful enough that I don't think me tearing on him is going to hurt him. So usually I would no. not take down another author, but I just am not. He's just not my jam at all. I just don't like his writing style. I think that he needs to be edited. I just, you know, like he, I, I've picked him up multiple times. I keep thinking maybe I'll like him over in this corner of you know, whatever he writes, because he does write really prolifically. And I respect that. But I think what really was a nail in the coffin for me was when I read it and you go on this just epic of a journey back and forth between today and their childhoods and all of this stuff. And what ends up being the thing that grants them access to this thing's lair so that they can take it down. Well, when they're kids, because they're all like 12. Right. Have you read it? I've seen it. I haven't read it. No. It's, it's a fucking gangbang. I heard about it. That's so gross. It, That's And I know what he's trying to do. He's trying to do this coming of age thing. Ugh. I hate it. I can't. It's so wrong. One girl and all those guys <laughs> in there like 12. No. No. God, no. Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah, it's it's too young. It's one girl and what, three, four guys? It and I just, it's, it is gross. It feels very gross. It feels gross as a writer to like write that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Mm-mm. And I just, it was too much for me. Well, so, and I have, I've tried to go back and write, read him other times. And I think I've just got too much baggage. And then I just feel like it's wandery and like the spooky amounts mm-hmm. don't always add up to something that has an answer, which probably works for some people. It did not for me. So, but you've read Horns you were telling me about, and that was his son that wrote it, right? And you liked that. Yes. Okay. I was really, really impressed by Joe Hill. Well, good. There you go. I've not read all of his stuff, um, but I was really impressed by Horns. I have to confess, the only Stephen King book I've read, I've seen them, like, like, I'm a big movie person. I am. I love books. I am not that book person or that author that's like, the book is always better. I mean, it is a lot of times, but Mm -hmm. I don't, I mean, I'm sorry. Sometimes I don't read the book. Sometimes I just watch the movie. Oh, well, it is what it is. Yeah. And so yeah, I've seen his movies. I haven't read all of his books. But um, I did read Salem's Lot back in the day. And I remember being, like, pretty pretty scared. And then I have a book that was – I may have talked about it on the podcast. I don't know. But it was a book I found when I was a kid in the library. And this, you know, this is like pre-internet because I'm old. And I remember reading it, and it's scaring me. And it's sticking with me to the point I always thought about this book, even as an adult. And then, like – Four years ago, I found an out-of-print copy 
um, on eBay and I bought it and I have it now and it's called Young Monsters. And the reason it was so hmm. good is because it was shelved in the kids section. It was not a kid's book. It had an illustrated cover. <laughs> it was it was stories by Isaac Asimov, Stephen King, like all these big oh. names and uh, weird shit really weird shit and I think he had a short story in there and it was like in the Salem's Lot universe oddly enough the only other story I've read and it was pretty good it was about a school bus driver and vampires and everything so yeah um interesting 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 (laughs) yes yes um but yeah I mean if we were talking about classic horror that's not a bad place to start (laughs) yeah so we so I guess being on this kick, this horror kick, I'm really, really excited about this miniseries. I really am, and I, my mind's been in this place for a while. I mean, you've talked about it. You've been devouring Hannibal, and mm-hmm. uh, we, you know, it, we're both in that weird spot. So I watched another movie that was the weirdest thing I have ever seen. I still don't know how I feel about it. It's not gory at all. It's strange. <gasps> Have you seen Vivarium? Everything. Va- is it Vivarium? Vivarium. No. Is it Vivarium? I think it is. Let me make double sure. Like life, Viv. It is V A wait V I V. Oh, you hear my accent? V I V A R I U M, and it came out in 2019. Yeah, and mm-hmm. you can watch it. I think I watched it. Is it on Hulu? I think it's on Hulu, and just watch it. It's so weird. Okay. And once you realize what the word vivarium means, it makes so much more sense. I know. Like, I'm still not 100% sure what the movie is about. It is that banana pants. All right. I'm hooked. Yeah. It- <gasps> you know what else we should do sometime after this? Let's do a series of just totally nutso, can't even begin to make sense of the movies because I have one to recommend to you now that you've said that. I would love it. Something about the word banana pants triggered for me. (laughs) It's called Kaboom. Uh And I I am so excited at the idea of watching it again. Okay, that's our next thing. I need to write that down before we lose it. But that's great. Yeah. Because in Vivarium, like, I'm like, this isn't spoilers. I still don't know what happens. But like, they drive into this neighborhood. It's this couple looking to buy a house. And this really weird guy takes them in and then he disappears and they can never leave the neighborhood. And then a baby is delivered in a box and it says, raise this baby and be released. And that's where it starts. Sure. Yeah. It's very strange. Very strange. And this is uh, Jesse Eisenberg. Yes. He's really good in this too. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. So I guess... Yes. But let me ask you this. Okay. Do you think that the problem with Jennifer's body was, well, I've got three options, but maybe you have additional options. Do you think it was a marketing problem? Do you think it was a treatment of the film problem? Like with some of like the kitschiness and everything, like you were saying before, or do you think it was a timing problem? Like if it had come out later, it would have had a different response. That's a, that's a very good question because I feel like I see what it was trying to be and I love what it was trying to be and I love the kitschiness and I love the aesthetic of it. I love, like you said, like the really bad, uh, special effects. Like, I, I mean, I love true blood. Like I'm here for that. Like I get that I'm your audience. So that didn't bother me, but I can see how a lot of people don't like that, especially if it is sold as like a scary movie. Cause it's really not a scary movie. Like it's, 
it's a horror movie in the fact that it's a demon and it's gory, but it's not like you can watch this at night with the lights off and you'll be fine. Like, so like there's no creepiness to it. I don't think, uh, maybe like right in the beginning, but I, yeah, the beginning's a little creepy for me. I, I just feel like if you took the same writers that are obviously, she's obviously very talented and probably dropped her into wherever she's at now and had her rewrite it, I could just see it being so much more. Like, I want mm. to love this. I really want to love this because you know, I'm like you, I love an antihero. I love a killer woman that takes no prisoners who is bad <laughs> because she's bad. Like, that's my jam. And that's it. Like uh-huh. you, I also feel like teenage girls are often looked down on more than anybody else. So I love that it's in high school and it's this, this girl and I love female friendship. So it's got everything in it I want it to be, but it just left me feeling a little flat. And like, I hate to mm. even say that. So I do think it was marketing because if you look at anything for it, it's just Megan Fox, Megan Fox, Megan Fox, like looking sexy. The poster looked like bad teacher to me. Do you remember <laughs> that Cameron Diaz movie? Like it literally looks like they just put Megan Fox in over Cameron Diaz. Well, wait, what came out first though? Did Jennifer's body I come out no before idea. bad teacher? I don't, I don't know, but like such a different movie and the poster looked exactly the same. Yeah. So like there's nothing on the poster is there to show that it is a horror comedy. There's the word hell. The chalkboard says hell, yes. Could but you, that can mean so many things. So there's so many. So Diablo Cody says she has no interest. In, was it Diablo Cody? I think it was her. It was either her or the director. I think it was her, though, that said she has no interest in writing a sequel, but she would love to turn mm. it into a television show. And I could totally see like a, oh. the new Sabrina getting that treatment of it and it being something really cool. That could be interesting, but I hope Netflix doesn't get their hands on it. As much as I'd love to have the access to it that I do on Netflix, um, I loved season one of Sabrina and have been really kind of let down since. Yeah, my sister said the same thing. So I don't want them to get their grubby hands on another horror. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I never finished Sabrina. I need to. I just, the Mm. only thing I remember, oh God, I'm not even going to say this. It's about cannibalism again. Say it, say it. When the aunt this is, is like, it's been so long since I've had long pig. And I like Googled what that oh. meant. And I was like, oh, they're talking about eating this guy. I just saw an episode of Hannibal that references that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Long pig. <laughs> um, but I would actually contend that it would do a lot better now. I do think. I think um, so and too. I think that's. Like, the marketing was a huge problem, but I think the marketing was a problem because no one was ready for it yet. Like, the marketing did not understand that this was not another misogynist guy horror film. In yeah, I think that, you know, like, Get Out and the other Jordan Peele films have indicated that we are ready for a more sophisticated type of horror. Yeah. And it's just not traditionally a sophisticated genre. I mean, it's got as much potential as any other, but it's just not where it's gone. I mean, I remember it must have been two or three years before this film came out in 09 because I was in college. One of my friends had like Freddy 9 or something ridiculous like that. And they had just totally given up on taking themselves seriously at that point. Like they're murdering, like it's a satire of itself is what it was. But even that was, like, so flat and not good entertainment. It was just, it was dumb. That's, like, but the child's play movies. Like, this, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, like, we just were not 
in a mindset as an audience to take in something with a more sophisticated premise yet. And you're right that it's not sophisticated by today's standards. Um, but I think it has enough elements that if it were to come out now, I would freaking like, I love, I kind of like that they leaned into the campy horror to some degree and just let it be simpler and about the violence in some parts. I think I like, I like the camp. The parts where I wanted more was looking at the girl's friendship and like, cause they'd been friends since they were kids and it just went from, Oh, Jennifer's a demon. Well, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to look at why she's a demon. I'm just going to kill her. You know, like I wanted more in that relationship. You know what? You're right about that. I I didn't mind that Jennifer like is the bad guy and she's not a very deep person. So she wouldn't be a very deep villain. I'm fine with that. But it was that relationship. Like, I feel like today if like they explored that, that would make the movie because that would be the whole character arc and plot. Like you have these girls, they've been best friends forever this bad thing happens to one of them. One of them feels guilty that it happened because she didn't stop it. And now to live, this one girl has to do these horrible things and this other one's watching it and she feels torn. And mm-hmm. that's the movie I want to see is them interact. But yeah, keep, yeah, yeah, yeah. keep it campy, keep it fun. But I think like, okay, so another movie from back in the day that works the craft. The reason it works is the relationships mm-hmm. between the women in the movie and the friendship there. Cause it's got plenty of camp and it's got plenty of cheese and it's been years since I watched it. So I could be wrong, but I remember just really liking it. But I do think you're right about Jennifer's body. Like us not being ready for it. Cause it doesn't seem that long ago. I think it came out in 2007 or 2008 that doesn't seem that long ago, but it is such a huge culture shift since then. Yeah. Like, if you look at what was coming out, what was winning awards, like, even, like, what was popular, like, and I look at my own, like, self-growth and who I was then and, like, what I thought about versus now, and it's just, it's it's a lot. And I feel like young people now almost expect more because they're exposed to more, you know, and they're allowed, like, they're not, I feel like young girls and women we still have a long way to go, but I feel like they're not shut down as quickly. Like you're allowed to think these things and you're allowed to be loud and you're allowed to be gross and you're allowed to say your opinion in a way that when I was younger, it was like, oh, look pretty, get a spray tan. You got to be this. You need to, you know, be really smart or really pretty. That's your options, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's opening up a little. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I got on a tangent there. I have strong yeah, feelings about this. <laughs> I mean, and to be fair, like, I'm putting a lot of, like, what I want into this movie. You could watch it just as a dumb comedy movie, and you could be entertained. Like, you could not even think about it, cut it on, like, and it is what it is. Yeah. You're only disappointed by this movie if you go in on the premise that marketing tried to sell, which is that you are a teen guy here to watch hot Megan Fox, like, do some slasherness. Yeah, I. That's, that's weird it. too. That it was supposed to be like this slasher porn movie, but it takes place in high school. That's that's icky. But don't they mostly take place in high school? Do they? Like it's Scream been so and Freddy and all of that. I think they're all high school students. Oh God, that's another thing to unpack another time. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, high school is horrific. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> I just mean it's weird too. Like when you market, like we were talking about 
earlier, like you always have the girl that's like half got her clothes torn off and like covered in yeah. blood and she's supposed to look all sexy. And then it makes it worse that she's supposed to be 17. Yeah. It's just yeah, not, absolutely. not good. There's such a weird connection between that type of violence and that type of sexual, like hyper-sexualization. Yeah. I never really thought about it, but you're absolutely right. It like goes hand in hand in the genre. And mm. uh, so, okay. And to be fair, earlier we were saying that it wasn't sophisticated. I am like sure there are like sophisticated writers out there that were working in this genre that just could not get a foot in the door because they, the people in charge and the gatekeepers were like, oh, people don't want this. But like, I'm sure it was there. It just didn't get the attention. And I'm sure we have. I think you're right. Friends. I'm thinking of a particular friend in, in, in particular that is a horror buff and knows everything mm -hmm. about every horror movie and could probably give me a list to check out. But oh yeah, you know. Actually, I did find in my readings for this, um, someone referenced the New York Times list of top 100 female-led horror films. So that's something to check out and maybe also for us to link in our notes. We'll definitely have to link it. Do you remember what number one was? No, I didn't mm. read it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I need to read that. I'll and then I did not yet. <laughs> um, so I did write one more thing down here that I thought might be worth it unpacking, but we've been going for a while, so it doesn't have to be long. Okay. And that was Medusa, who, for those who don't know the full origin story of Medusa, she actually was... I guess like kind of like coveted by one of the other gods and she lived with her sisters like on this shoreline and I want to say it was Poseidon. I don't really it know. It was Poseidon and it was on the, okay. in the temple of Aphrodite, wasn't it? Or Athena. Yeah. Yeah. And so he rapes her and then Aphrodite is so angry at Medusa for taking her man that she then is the one who punishes Medusa with the snakes in her head for her hair and all of that and the ability to turn anything that she looks at directly to stone. So she then has to isolate herself. And then who is it? Orpheus who comes and kills her. Was it Orpheus or Jason? It was Orpheus. It, maybe it was probably Jason. I, I don't know. I could be wrong. I, like Orpheus sounds right. But for some reason I'm thinking of, Jason had to get the head of Medusa. But yeah, it was wrong. just such a similar chain of violence to me. And it was, it was again, it was a woman that this was done to and turned mm -hmm. into this thing. And suddenly she's the villain. Because that was the thing with Medusa. She was on her island and she turned people to stone. But she was kind of off. Like you had to go seek her out, man. <laughs> like you had to be. How dumb are you? Go in there. Yeah. Yeah. She wasn't like roaming around killing your people. Right. So, yeah, that is a big difference. Like, Jennifer was, was seeking it out and had to do it to survive. But um, but I don't know. Just something about that cycle of violence was ringing echoes to me, I suppose. But um, No, that's great. Anyway. The, I'm glad you pointed that out because I didn't even think of that. And I'm a Medusa fangirl a little mm -hmm. bit. <laughs> Medusa's a good one. I really want Madeline Miller to write a Medusa book. Like, I want to write a Medusa book, but mine would be more of a not, like, the historical. It would be like a retelling or reimagining. But she writes, Madeline Miller wrote Circe and wrote Song of Achilles. And she, she knows all about it. So it would be the actual story. Just because her depth of knowledge, she knows all the things, all the characters. But her writing is super accessible. So you don't feel like you're reading a textbook. It's like, so it is beautiful. So it's good. so beautiful. Mm. So 
I wish I like that's my dream. I'm gonna start tweeting at her every day. So all right, we'll start a campaign. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, any other thoughts as we wrap up here? No, I think we covered it, and actually, we dove deeper than I thought we would because I was like, ah, you know. Killer girl movie. It's all sloshing around in there. Yeah. (laughs) It's fun. So leave us reviews. Leave us your comments and recommendations. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. And follow this mini-series. We are going to explore several of our favorites and some that we haven't seen of women in horror. And I think, what, not your scream queen? Yeah. Yeah. I think we should go with that. I like it. I like it. So next time. (laughs)